You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. 2020 marks the 10-year anniversary of Midco SN, and we're celebrating all month and all year long by looking back on how we got here and reliving some of the best moments we've captured over the past decade. See it all on the Making of Midco SN, our 10-year anniversary special. That's Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shapes Podcast. We're taping this on a Tuesday morning, the 1st of September, a new month. Same same old stuff <laughs> kind of going on in our worlds right now. Alex Heiner, Build Shapes. Bill, it's good to see you. How you been? Yeah, Alex, uh, same. It, it's I've been good. Yeah, no, uh, September 1, uh, this summer flew for sure. And uh, as we all know in this neck of the woods now, you know, you kind of you, you, you turn the calendar to September and you know what's coming. <laughs> it's just around the corner. There's a little feel of fall in the air, a little bit of that going on right now. Fall's so beautiful and the leaves turn and you get you get high school football, which is obviously going on right now and the fun that starts with a new school year. This year, of course, some of the usual benchmarks that come with the fall are just not going to be there. Going to the Alara Center, going to the Betty for volleyball, doing the potato feed, like, you know, the those sorts of things are going to be missing. And that's going to be kind of a bummer as this September rolls along. Yeah, I think that's fair, Alex. I think it's disappointing. I, 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 that's, uh, that's very fair. And there's no doubt that... Um, you know, we always try to remain optimistic, glass half full. But you no, know, there's there's a part of us that you know, uh, yeah, you're 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 missing uh, the kind of that fall tradition, and uh, and and certainly uh, athletics at UND is a incredibly important part of the fabric of the institution, and so not to have that uh, this fall. Yeah, it's 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 both disappointing and sad, all all wrapped up into one, you know. But uh, you know, I think uh, there's at least a plan uh, afoot, at least from a NCA standpoint, to to try and play fall championships in the spring, which uh, you know will make this academic year um, memorable for sure, uh, unique. There's probably some words we can use, but <laughs> those two come to mind for sure. Yeah, we're going to talk about the plan or at least the formation of a plan over the course of this podcast. We wanted just to catch up. It's been a couple of weeks. We last potted in the middle of August. Since we last potted, there hasn't been necessarily any huge, you know, breaking news, but school has started. School started for UND back on the the evening of August 24th, the full day on August 25th. We're about a week in the books. How are things on campus, Bill? How are things going for the start of the fall semester? Yeah, Alex, you know, I think many uh, many uh, schools around the country opened around the same time. Uh, I think uh, uh, at my previous employer, uh, they were a quarter school. So there's only about 10% of those in the country. And so uh, semester schools uh, pretty much make up uh, the bulk, 90% of, uh, of institutions around the country. And I think uh, they all started around the same time. If they didn't start uh, on the 24th-ish, they probably started this week. And so, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing uh, students uh, from the ages of typically 18 and 23 come back and um, really in a lot of ways, they form their their own city in some cases, and so towns and cities. And so uh, I think a lot of institutions are working through, uh, I'll call it the congregation of students that have come back and don't forget, were abruptly in a sense sent home in March. 
And so there, you know, so I think each institution's working through how they've received their student body. And uh, UND is no different. And uh, we've made, you know, choices and decisions here on campus to to be as aggressive as we can be with testing. And I think that was uh, um, something that our uh, executive council, uh, led by Dr. Armacost and and certainly Dr. Wynn, when he was the interim president and uh, is the dean of our medical school, felt as if that's the direction and the way to go about uh, handling this virus, is to try to identify who potentially might have the virus, and then who those close contacts might be so that you can isolate and quarantine. I'm hopeful that we're going to get to, I'll call it a leveling off, if you will, and that, you know, you go through the first couple of weeks and knock on wood, then hopefully everything sort of even keels itself to some degree and you get into a rhythm. Yeah, that is the hope that we can have the kind of that first because we, we expected there to be a bit of a wave of increase in COVID-19 cases when all these students came back from all across the country and in some cases from around the world. And and we've had that. And that's sort of been the, the basic thing, the general thing that's happened across the country. And now, like you said, hopefully that can balance itself out and we can sort of move forward and get through the initial wave and go back. to You, you hate to say go back to life as normal because it won't be normal really for the rest of the semester. But Hopefully things can kind of progress and it'll be, it'll be a good experience for these kids. I guess that's what I'm getting at. They can have a normal college experience as they would any other year, just with a few tweaks and changes for their safety. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, as, as, as we're working through um, a virus that has hit and unfortunately we, we, we didn't have a vaccine for, um, you know, it's made all of our lives challenging in so many ways. And so, uh, you know, we're, we understand that, you know, the virus is, is out there and we're trying to uh, do our best to educate um, everyone in our community, not just our students, but everybody. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this for our student athletes, what, what I've indicated to our, uh, all of our teams and our coaches is that, it may not be uh, a bad thing to put together who your close contacts are. Put them, put them on a, put them on a list. And 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 when you get, and because we've worked through, you know, positive cases, we know when there's a positive case, and the Department of Health will call you, they're going to ask you who your close contacts were. Well, they're going to define what a close contact is, and it is: have you been with someone for more than 15 minutes and less than six feet apart? And and if if that if the answer is yes to that, you'll be a close contact. Well, I think we all can can then figure out maybe who your close contacts are so that when you start making choices and decisions for, I'll say, interaction, you might want to decide, will that break what that definition is? And so I think that makes it a little bit easier for folks to get their head around, because if you haven't been through this or know what the Department of Health is going to ask you, it's good to have that, those answers uh, so that you can help, I'll call it educate, make, uh, make folks decide on some decisions they would otherwise make, but maybe they would think twice about. Mm. That's good. That's good advice, probably for these kids who wouldn't normally think in those terms as they come back on campus. And in Alex, the fall. I, I'll be honest with you. I have my list. Yeah, and for yeah, for staff as well. I have, yeah, I have sure. my list. I I know who uh, is on my list, and so if you're going to ask me to, I'll call it violate that, so to speak. I don't. I don't because I figure that there's an 
chance that something may be brought to me at some point in time uh, based on, say, my close list, if you will, and that just might be what occurs. But if I can make some decisions and choices along the way that helps minimize some things, that's what we're trying to impart to all of our programs. Reason number 47 why we do this pod virtually now (laughs) instead of face-to-face. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I'm not on Bill's close contact list. Is no, what no, I, and you know, and again, I, I, I do like the idea of the long form with this because it gives us an opportunity to really discuss it. So, I would say from March, the the month of April, uh, I would say the majority of folks at UND were remote. Uh, once May hit, and we started looking toward what the summer might look like and and access for workouts and those types of things. There were a number of us that were brought back to our uh, offices. Uh, But the folks that were here, Alex, we made a pact with each other. We will not be on each other's close contact list. And so we will, you know, we, we made choices and decisions on how we interacted and how we went about our day. And we still do that. And I think that's incredibly important because that's, that's when we start getting into this and we get into game mode, if someone becomes positive, chances are your team is going to be a close contact. And if that's the case, you're going to be quarantined. The majority of your teammates are going to be quarantined for two weeks. That's how it's going to work. With your staff, it's a bit like the president and the vice president not flying on Air Force One together. Like you got to kind of, for the safety of everybody, separate a little bit for the good, (laughs) just in case something would happen. Because somebody's got to run the country. Somebody's got to run the athletics department. Yeah, you can't have the entire athletics department out with coronavirus. Yeah, you know, fortunately for us, we can uh, uh, probably effectively do our jobs remotely at some point in time. But (laughs) I'm not going to put myself in the same uh, uh, bucket as uh, as the president of the United States. But yeah, I I do think, though, it it does go back, though, with all interactions. And I, I think our university has done a tremendous job uh, in the classroom, making sure that socially uh, social distancing distancing can take place, and that there are a lot of PPE and there's a lot of things that are in place so that you wouldn't be on a close contact list if you're in a classroom per se. Um, now labs maybe are a little bit different, maybe uh, in a you know a cockpit flying right those are those are different uh scenarios that you have to have protocols in place and 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 no different than we uh are working out we have certain protocols in place that are are working through all those types of scenarios where social distancing can't take place cannot um and so uh but yeah it's it's quite fascinating i i mean that's what i'll tell you and uh you know i think we've learned along the way what are some of the things that we can help with in, in indicating, hey, this is how it will go if you know something occurs in your life. So maybe these are the helpful hints that, that we can uh, provide you. From an NCAA perspective, you know, we've seen fall sports essentially be put on hold, at least for, for UND and for the FCS and for the Summit League. Uh, FBS, of course, is a different story. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But there was news back on the 21st of August. The NCAA has said, yes, we are going to have 
fall sports championships in the spring. We're working towards that. No timeline has been set down, though, just yet when those things are going to happen. But the council is meeting sometime soon. So the plan is going to come to place, hopefully sooner than later. Yeah, September 16th is the date when the council meets again. And from all indications, that's when uh, a finalized schedule of spring championships for the fall will take place. Um, We're working through what we believe to be some of those dates right now. I can't really say those dates right now because they're not official. And they, one thing I've learned about this year, Alex, things can change. And so, (laughs) so I, I, I do know in general terms, what I think is, is uh, uh, potentially being worked on, but, but maybe I'll miss something and something will change along the way. But here's what I will tell you uh, is, um, and I was on with Tim and Paul this morning, is uh, some of the reports that are out there are, are, are fairly accurate as far as some of the things that we're, we're at least uh, uh, chewing on right now. Now, will those be the finalized dates? Who knows? And, and then numbers in tournaments, too, uh, is the other one that uh, needs to be looked at. Because I think the one thing that's incredibly important is that there's a way, a pathway into a tournament. And... Uh, you know, and, and that, those are some of the conversations that are, are being had right now. Yeah. When you mentioned numbers, one of the big talking points, at least lately, has been what the FCS playoffs will look like with a potentially limited field instead of 24 teams making the tournament and having buys. Of course, that extends the tournament in an extra week. They, there's some talk about shrinking that to 16 maybe not having automatic qualifiers from conference play because the conference season will be much shorter. Obviously these are all, this is all just speculation right now, but it's, it'll be interesting. These are, these are tough decisions that the committee and and folks at the FCS level are going to have to make moving forward about how, how do you handle an unprecedented season, not in the season you normally would play in with some constraints in terms of Mm -hmm. the summertime and the next fall season right around the corner, big decisions to be made. Yeah. So there's groups that work on this. So, uh, the championship, uh, committee, uh, for the FCS is, uh, working on that. Kyle Motes is the uh, Missouri state AD. He represents the Missouri Valley conference, all of the schools, all the conferences, the 10, uh, AQ conferences all are represented on that committee. And, uh, they're kind of working through that, Alex. That's that's kind of what they're doing right now, putting some things against the wall, and then eventually we'll go through to the football oversight committee, and that group then uh, reports up to the council. So that's that's kind of the process. The board of directors uh, for Division One, and then the board of governors. Uh, those they will I I would. S- suggest as long as the council's good with what's being uh, um, worked on and suggested, my guess is the board of directors and board of governors will approve whatever comes from the council. Just because we're talking about football right now, is there been any clarification on when UND will be able to practice this fall or is all that still just kind of up in the air because the calendar just turned to September and they don't have a game probably until late February or early March. Yeah. The whole idea has been basically to try to do spring ball in the fall. I mean, that that's the idea. And, and, and those dates are being finalized as we speak as well. So weekly on Tuesdays, I have a weekly summit call 
On Wednesdays, we have a weekly NCHC call and a weekly Missouri Valley football call. And so I'll have, so tomorrow uh, on a Wednesday, where again, we're potting on a Tuesday. Uh, on a Wednesday, I'll have a more of an update. Uh, I have a draft of what I think the, the dates will look like right now that we're working off of. And so the coaches somewhat have an idea of what's transpiring right now. But I think what was important for us is to get our students off to a good start academically right now mm -hmm. and then work yourself into what would be, I guess, spring ball in the fall. Yeah, putting first things first. That's smart, mm -hmm. smart, smart, smart. Uh, we don't want to exclude, obviously, the other fall sports because soccer, volleyball, cross country. Right. There, I mean, there are a lot of sports that are still sort of figuring things out. Just to confirm, all those sports right now, not practicing, right? Everybody's just sort of in a holding pattern and waiting to sort of see what comes of spring championship or spring fall championships in the spring and, and what to do with that. Any, any light on what's going on with those programs, Bill? Yeah. So, so what we did was we went back to volunteer uh, activities uh, for us. And, and so that's a little bit inside baseball right now. And given what the Red Sox are doing, maybe we don't want to use that term, but we'll end up going into what is permitted during this uh, fall uh, again. And uh, you know, obviously we want our, 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 our students to, to continue to work out and, and to and to do the things you want to do from a physical standpoint. That's incredibly important. But I, all of those teams that you mentioned will will be no different than football. They'll get their idea of exactly what it looks like to have their spring in the fall. Interesting. And then have their fall in the spring. It, exactly. Just everything. Flip it around. Change it up. Why not? Yes. 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 <laughs> um, one nice thing for those fall sports athletes, much like the spring athletes this past year, the NCAA has been has, has the NCAA has granted an additional year of eligibility, an extra year to complete that as well, a blanket waiver for those student athletes. So if they want to continue, you know, playing, if they were set to graduate in December or whatever the plans were going in, they've been granted that extra year. Should they choose to take it to be able to finish out their careers and on the right note, just in a little different season? Yeah. So. We, we, we watched this occur in the spring. And so it wasn't, again, just for seniors, it was for everyone. And so uh, that puts a little bit of a interesting uh, twist for our compliance folks to try to really kind of figure out what year you're in, because uh, uh, what's transpired over the course of time is two things. One, uh, when our students come in, many of them, they're such good students that many of them are bringing lots of college credit with them. That's one. Two, there's been more, I guess, opportunity for summer school. And so what's transpired is academically, you could be way ahead of what your athletic clock says. And so we've got to kind of wrestle with all of that and make sure that we've got everyone figured out and uh, in the spring, think the numbers are right off the top of my head, Alex, but we might have had 32 or 34 seniors, somewhere in that range. About half, 15 or so, chose to come back. The other half chose to move on because they had they, they, were, they were either already graduated um, or were graduating, maybe going on to graduate school, maybe had gotten a job. And so, it, you know, it's not one size fits all. 
And so we've got to be thoughtful about our uh, roster sizes, about our grant and aid limitations. And so it just adds another layer of uh, uh, opportunity for us through the recruiting process. <laughs> Students are going to have to be flexible and be, have an open minds about their options. And same thing with programs, figuring all this stuff out when you have the potential for extra kids still on scholarship that you didn't really plan on, which is not a bad thing. It just You just are going to have to, everybody, the great ones are going to rise because they're going to adjust. That's, that's going to be the mantra here for the next six months or so. Well, and again, just because the opportunity exists from the association-wide level doesn't necessarily mean school by school. Uh, they, they may, each school may employ it differently. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we, much like I've said before, whatever others are doing during this time frame, I, I, I'm tracking on it. I, I guess I'll let people know that I am tracking on it, but I also know that we have to do what's right for UND. And sometimes that may not be the same thing that others are doing. And that's okay. I, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. It just is. And so, uh, so that's just another layer of opportunity that we're going to have, again, for the next five years. Because this is going to affect us for the next literally four to five years. Yeah. A lot of ripple effects on a number of different levels, of course, that have uh... – yeah, that begun, began in March and have continued here to September. So I would say this would be a great time for the NCAA and the leadership councils to consider five years, play five years and five. Mm. Five for five right now. And I think that could eliminate a lot of waiver issues that are going on. I think there's a way to think through this that maybe there's a bigger picture that we could maybe handle this, that everyone in a sense still gets that extra year, but maybe we handle it that way. That way um, we don't have to keep thinking through what year are you in? And uh, I, you know, for many of our student athletes, they're here for five years anyways. And so that might be something to at least think about. I know that's, I, I've been a bit bullish on it, I think that's where we are right now because I think, you know, we've we've had a lot of um, issues when it comes to I'll call it extra year waivers and a lot of other types of things. I think we could reset the waiver bar again, very very high, but right now it feels like the bar is either moving, or it's rather low. So when you say five and five, as in everyone would get five years of eligibility, mm -hmm. so you'd get five seasons of eligibility to complete in five years. Yes. Right now it's four years. Four and four. Yep. You have five years to complete four. Mm -hmm. And I would say take redshirting off the table because at the end of the day, you wouldn't redshirt. Yeah. You just have the ability to potentially play. Then this whole four game thing that kind of, leaked into football, maybe that goes away. I thought it was a good idea, and I think it was relative to freshmen at one point, and then it became a thing for the entire roster. Yeah. And that became interesting because <laughs> that wasn't clearly delineated that it was just for freshmen. So 
again, I think it was probably smart, but that might change the thought process. And now you don't have to worry about this thing called red shirting anymore or even gray shirting and all these other terms that we've had. Maybe, maybe there's just a way to think through this opportunity right now to do some things that maybe cleans up other aspects of eligibility. I think some people would hear that and think, oh boy, well, well, that's just, that's so wild, Bill, to add an extra year of eligibility. But like you said, it simplifies a lot of things. And a lot of kids are playing, you're there for five years anyway. There's, there's some common sense that goes along with that. Let's just simplify things and let the, uh, yeah, let these, let these student athletes have the opportunity, especially in football when they are playing anyway as, as freshmen and getting a fifth year of eligibility, essentially, not a full year right now, but no time like the present to think outside the box and try and think about what the best way is to go about everything in college athletics. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do think college athletics, uh, you know, as best as we can, if we can simplify some things, that would be great. And, you know, I think this would simplify some things. Now you could throw in the transfer piece too. You could say, Hey, if I made a choice to go to UND, I do have to sit out a year if I go somewhere else, because you're still going to get your four years hmm. at that point. I, or maybe you're just automatically eligible. I, I don't, Either way, I think we just need to be way more consistent and try to simplify some things. And if you can't do it in a pandemic, then when? <laughs> this is the time. If you ever are going to make changes, I mean, we've seen that obviously with how people work. So many more people are working from home. There's difference with schools and things online. And a lot of what you sort of build up as, yep, this is what society is is built on, or this is how things work. You know, you can pivot and things can still work okay sometimes. So hmm, a lot of traditionalists out there that would disagree maybe, but uh, but it's a good opportunity to try and think outside the box and move forward maybe with some things that might help out and help the student athlete experience and help college athletics in general. I would agree. I would agree. So again, I think you can do both. I think you can make the decision that the council made for the fall athletes and quite frankly for the spring athletes. And I think you still could do this decision too which really would help clean a lot of things up because I, I and I'm, I'm maybe downplaying this a little bit. It's going to be very, very confusing for our, our compliance folks. I'll be honest yeah. with you, really, really hard. And so I, I do think this is the time to have a really earnest conversation about this. Has this been something bill that's been brought up or is this more like just a, here, here's a, here's a wish list item that is sort of floated out there, but not really on, the radar. I think it's out there. I, I think, um, you know, I talked to Justin Sell uh, quite a bit at South Dakota State. And, uh, you know, we started on the council together back in 15. And uh, again, he's the sole survivor. He's he's the last one that has uh, uh, still going to meetings at this point, although virtually. Um, and he uh, he said that that conversation has, you know, had some uh, legs to some degree. But I, I think everything's happening so quickly in real time and you're trying to, uh, I guess, figure out the things are right in front of you right now. You haven't really had the time to really go up about 10 or 15,000 feet or 20,000 feet and say, all right, hey, should we be thinking about this at this point in time? And maybe there will be an opportunity here uh, in the not so distant future to at least roll it out there as a potential conversation. I do think there's some folks... Uh, in the industry, so to speak, and maybe not all on the council per se, that would not be uh, opposed to it. Let's put it that way. Hmm. 
Watch this space. Moving forward, five and five. You heard it here first, everybody, on the Build Shapes podcast. We want to break some things on the pod. <laughs> it's kind of fun, Sue, sometimes. That's right. Before we move on to a few just specific UND athletics items, any other big NCAA news, Bill, from the last three or so weeks that, that really stand out that you want to touch on? No, I, I think, you know, we're trying to figure out the calendar for the next, I'll call it 10 months. And so what does that look like? You know, the other thing is obviously that some folks might be asking, well, what about winter sports then? So that might be, you know, the next conversation. And it feels like, you know, we're going, uh, we're continuing uh, to do the same things we did per se in March when we were trying to figure out whether we were playing at that point, then, then what are we doing to get students back on campus in the summer? And then what about fall? And now we're having conversations about what's the best situation for, for winter. And, you know, I know there's a, there's at least conversation out there about potentially an initial delayed start in some way, shape or form. Um, Nothing has come that, that is, absolute at this stage so so again no breaking news in that regard but uh i i think the same sources that you've probably read in regards to uh the basketballs anyways i know dan gavitt has uh been quoted uh he's the head of uh uh uh, men's basketball for uh the ncaa he's been uh quoted out there so you can read some of those articles and you know they're they're accurate i mean i you know they're they're certainly conversation at this point and you know folks uh, might want to say well what does that mean for hockey then uh and so you know i i'm going to probably suggest at some point that hockey and basketballs will probably in some way be connected at some stage from a winter standpoint that would seem logical to me but no decisions have been made yet but certainly lots of conversation about what might make sense uh moving forward we await confirmation of a start date, hopefully sometime soon. Again, UND on the schedule right now to play in a month against Manitoba, their exhibition game, October the 3rd. But again, waiting to see about a month out. That's usually when these decisions get made. So looking forward to that. You mentioned Dan. He was on the Andy Katz. Uh, it's not really a podcast, I guess. It's ki- it kind of is. He, Andy Katz has been hosting sort of these bi-weekly kind of town hall meetings with different people from the NCAA on NCAA.com. And he mentioned the other day, First of all, you know, the, the goal is to, you know, press forward with the college basketball season, with, with winter sports, to have March Madness, to do those things. He was very bullish about that. And you could see the passion there and the desire there from an NCAA perspective to get that done. And for a, for a myriad of reasons, it's obviously very important. But if you want to listen to the whole thing, an interesting listen on NCAA.com with, uh, with Andy Katz chatting with some, some of the major players in, in the NCAA. Yeah, some of the things that I've heard as well. And I do not like the term bubble. Um, I, I, I do not. Uh, I, I think you're reducing variables. I, I think in college athletics, you're like into variable reduction. That's what you're trying to do. Because a bubble is what we're seeing in Orlando with basketball and what we're seeing in Toronto, in Edmonton, in, in, in uh, the NHL. That's like a closed, closed environment that – it's Fort Knox, right? Like you got to get the secret handshake and the codes and all that other stuff, right? To get in. And then, and then when you're in, you're testing and you're, you're isolated, you're, you're quarantined for a bit, and then you can kind of come out and, and interact. And so that's not something that really can be done. I, I believe in the college world. I mean, I now maybe for a weekend, 
that could potentially happen. But I think what you can do is maybe do some pod type scheduling where maybe you go to uh, a a venue, if you will, a venue or two, and you try to reduce as many variables as possible. That that to me is is more apropos of what we're dealing with in college athletics. You mentioned last week on the pod that the 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 bubble is the world for college athletics, and that's and that's the case. These kids are out in the world. It's not just going from the hotel in Orlando, walking down the hallway, and you're into the arena, and then you walk back to your hotel room. There's a lot more going on here, and hopefully, even without that, you know, we've seen that with Major League Baseball. Obviously, they're they're it's different. All these things are different. Nothing nothing is the same. But they've been able to handle some of the cross country travel, and there have been a lot of setbacks. But there's there's at least a roadmap to be able to sort of do this without being completely cloistered in a sanitary environment. So hopefully that, that hopefully that bodes well for the winter, and hopefully winter sports can can start, if not exactly on time, shortly thereafter, and these kids can still have a full season. Yeah, I, for sure, Alex. Um, the other thing is, you know, I think we're finding out that the potential of maybe a saliva-based testing or something to that effect mm-hmm. might uh, be in play, and, you know, which is great. I mean, for a couple of different reasons. Uh, it gives you the opportunity to do it in a way that's potentially more, uh, less expensive, maybe it's, 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 it's more accessible, but the one thing it does do though, potentially, because the turnaround could be quicker, which is great, is you also know the results that much quicker, Mm -hmm. which the results are going to be the same no matter what. But if that's the case, you know, again, you just may end up knowing that Alex is a positive and his close contacts are the rest of the team. And so now you're into kind of a, a two-week window where you have to be flexible to be able to figure out that scheduling. I, we're still there. Like, 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 like the testing piece is great. Gives you more clarity. Gives you more direction, which is great. And timing could be huge, mm-hmm. huge. Um, but uh, – and then it comes back to how many variables are you reducing? Yeah. So it, it's, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic in some of the things that I hear, certainly even in the vaccine generation world, that seems to be heading in a direction that's as quick as maybe it's ever been in our, in our lifetime. Uh, so just fascinating, just fascinating. There's certainly motivation to get it done. And that always, that always helps. Correct. Correct. What I didn't realize, and I, I believe I'm accurate with this, 1946 is when we really had the vaccine, uh, the first flu vaccine done, even after the pandemic of 1918. Hmm. Hmm. I just found that interesting. I don't. I. I. I just throw that out there. Yeah, almost 30 years after hmm. they sort of got it figured out. And, interesting. And science is just unbelievably difficult, right? You, you learn probably what doesn't work until you get to the point to what does work. So anyways, that, that's kind of where we're at. And I, you know, I, I do believe though that the vaccine generation coupled with the testing piece, it, you know, may give us the best chance to get our seasons going. And I think, and I don't know if Dan mentioned that I didn't watch that, uh, uh, that town hall, 
but I know I've, I've read a number of things he said is that, you know, once you kind of get the season going, you want to keep it going. So I think that's the thought process is that time to some degree is still an ally for all of us. And so you're trying to create more time. Aren't we all? (laughs) 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 Oh, a uh, couple of quick hitters from around you in the athletics. Some actual kind of sports news. Hockey, Brad Berry naming captains uh, last week. And we had kind of gotten the release a while back. But Jordan Kawaguchi is going to be wearing the C this year. Jacob Bernard-Docker, Matt Kirstead, Mark Senden, Jasper Weatherby are going to be wearing A's. And they also announced an incoming freshman class. Uh, seven really outstanding young men that are going to be joining the program. Um, six true freshmen. And then Brendan Booty, who's a transfer from Denver that spent a year in the USHL. So it's, it's fun to sort of have things like that to talk about and to get excited about. Hey, we've got a leadership team and we've got some new players and guys are getting assigned numbers. And uh, even though maybe they won't get to see the ice next month, it is fun that at least that's, that's there. That's some tangible stuff that you can grab onto and get excited about for what should be a really great UND hockey season whenever it gets going. Yeah. We've, you know, and, and, uh, led by, uh, uh, Mitch Wigness and, and our communications team, we've, we've tried to be really selective, I guess, on, on what kind of information that we're, we're, we're kind of putting out there. I think we all know it's a, you know, an interesting year for sure. And so uh, it, is, it is great to get, I'll call it, more normalized news out there, right? <laughs> and so, uh, but it's just where we are. And so uh, it was good to, to, to read that as well. Yeah, congrats to Jordan and the leadership team and those new freshmen on joining the group. Congrats also to Damon Macias, who was named the head coach at Missouri Western. Uh, This is a women's soccer assistant that's been under Chris Logan for the last three years and started, I believe, just as a volunteer assistant and has risen up through the ranks and now gets a shot to be the head coach of his own program uh, down in St. Joseph, Missouri, a D2 school down there in the MIAA. Third assistant coach under Chris to get a head coaching job in the last three years. Pretty cool for that program. It's awesome. It's uh, good for Coach Logan. That's a tip of the cap um, to him for sure. And that there's – when you're going in to to do a job – and know that you have the opportunity that, you know, the person that you're working with and for, you know, wants you to succeed and, and, and be able to, to do the thing that he's doing at this point in time. Pretty cool. And then to watch it happen, like literally uh, like one after another. I mean, I think it's like three successive years. So it's uh, yeah. very, very cool. Yeah, good stuff. Congratulations. Best of luck to Damien whenever that season gets started uh, in the spring down at Missouri Western. Any other UND notes you want to touch on, Bill, before we do a, a really quick flip over to the B side? No, I think I think that's it. You know, I I, I knew you know we uh, Alex and I had uh, um, texted back and forth, and we knew that this one was not a lot of uh, information that the NCAA was coming out with. We know it's it's happening, and maybe the next one we'll do is maybe after the council meeting or something to that effect. But uh, but I, I felt like it was important to at least touch base. So uh, I think I think we've done what we've we've needed to do. Yeah, good. Excellent. All right. Very brief, very, very brief B-side. NFL opener less than two weeks out. Are you excited, Bill, about the Pittsburgh Steelers this year? Um, I'm really interested in, uh, in seeing how Ben is. Uh, you know, obviously coming off major surgery. So, uh, you know, they'll just have a chance just because he's 
behind center. I mean, uh, you know, they, you can use all your weapons when you've got someone that is that experienced. So, yeah, I mean, I think they'll be okay. I think the division's pretty tough. I mean, I yeah. think Cleveland will be uh, better uh, this year for sure. Uh, and, uh, not as much pressure on them and that they seem to thrive a little bit more when, uh, there's not that <laughs> pressure that bullseye mm-hmm. Baltimore will be really good. And, and I don't know about Cincinnati. I, I think they're, they're probably rebuilding a little bit. So, uh, be a tough, you know, I, tough, tough div- division, but with, uh, with Brady gone, um, it, it feels like the AFC is pretty wide open, but obviously Kansas City, um, someone's going to have to knock them off, and uh, Mahomes is pretty special. So uh, it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be tough, uh, but as we all know, it's tough to repeat as well. In a word, which Steeler do I want on my fantasy team this year, Bill? Hmm. It's a good question. I think Juju has a good year. I think he really missed Roethlisberger last year. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. Duck, as much as we all love Duck Hodges, it wasn't it wasn't quite the same connection that yeah. Juju experienced. The I year think before. Juju will be undervalued in drafts this year because, and then I think they tried to help out. Um, with some other uh, some other weapons around them as well. So uh, I think they're going to be pretty balanced, though. You know, whereas yeah. I felt James James Conner should be healthy again after Connor, missing a lot Washington of Washington kind of did mm-hmm. a pretty good job last year. I, I don't. I think he can kind of spread the ball around a little bit. You know, I obviously as we've seen Antonio go to a few different places uh, to 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 manage manage that. Uh, um, we'll call it. Uh, need to get the ball to him i don't think that there's that at this point so i think they'll be okay i think their defense will be all right too so i they'll be okay i i i don't know i i, I think they'll be in the they'll be in the hunt but I, I i don't feel like they're a super bowl team today but maybe they would you know some some teams work their way into that and you know they might be one of them how about the patriots what do you feel what do you feel like, like the pa- patriots it's kind of neat to see a different i don't know outlook it's it's new this year. Expectations are way low because of obviously a transition in quarterback. All of the opt outs. I mean, New England was hit harder than any other team with some really key guys: Marcus Cannon on the offensive line, and Dante Hightower, and Patrick Chung on defense, and four other players. So low expectations for the first time in forever. Hopefully it goes okay. I'm, I'm bullish on Cam. I really like Cam Newton. I think he's been a breath of fresh air there. I think they're going to be just fine. I still think they probably win 10 games this year. Buffalo's going to be good, though, in that division. It should be interesting. One last thing before we let you go. EPL season, English Premier League, starts next week. Spurs open Sunday against Everton. Then you get to go to Bulgaria for the Europa League. It's going to be a great year. Will they finish in the top four, Bill? And we'll get you out on this. Top four for Spurs, yay or nay? Yes. 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 I like the two signings. Hoiberg and Doherty are, are, yeah. two, are two, like, I think, lunch pail type guys that they have missed back there. And so I, I think you're going to see a better uh, a better group this year, more cohesive. They uh, Netflix uh, dropped uh, uh, a Tottenham sort of uh, um, doc yesterday and so watch the first three episodes i think you'll enjoy it i don't know if you you're able to catch up on that one yet yeah all or nothing all or nothing right this is the this is the series yeah yeah the the inner workings of jose i can't wait (laughs) well you know what's funny is it's only the second time he took over uh, a team midway through the year 
And that's interesting. That's a different, uh, that's hard. That's hard. And, uh, but I think, I think they'll be better, but um, hard to know what everyone else is got. Uh, you know, I haven't really followed what, you know, I know Liverpool and Man City. I, I consider those two until, you know, th- then there's a gap. And, and I feel like you can go chase other, other teams at that point. I think you can. So, yeah, I'm optimistic. I think, I think third place or fourth is, is not unrealistic. But, uh, you know, you can't be sitting in 14th place like they were at one point last year. <laughs> what are you doing? You, yeah, you would think they'll be, they'll be a little better this season. But you never know. Feels like about a 16 race or so for those, those Champions League spots this year. Chelsea have gotten a lot better. Watch out for Chelsea. They signed... Every good player from Germany in the offseason. So watch out. Watch out. Anyway, you got to go. You got a meeting right now, Bill. Appreciate the time. Thanks again. Best of luck. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate you. Big thanks to Bill Chaves. Big thanks, as always, to Cassie Niles, our producer. For all of us here at the Bill Chaves Podcast, happy September. Enjoy the start of fall. Stay safe. Be well. We'll talk to you soon.